recognize a real dawn when you see one Sipping on booze in the house of blues I'm going, going back, back to Cali, Cali I'm going, going back, back to Cali, Cali, Cali Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I'm John Ledyard from PewterReport.com. With me on this wonderful Thursday, as we hailed from the Bucks practice facility over at Hadman Health Training Center, the one and only Matt Matera, ladies and gentlemen. You know him, and to know him is to love him, Matt We have an awesome show lined up for today because we get to talk a little fantasy football. We get to talk about, unfortunately, some Bucks injuries, but how those injuries are going to lead to opening the door for opportunities for other players on this team that we are both pumped to see. We've got to get Hayden Winks from Underdog Fantasy in here to get his perspective on all this stuff. It's going to be a good show. We've got a huge rundown of topics to cover on a Thursday. Sometimes that's not the case. And We're blessed this week. We've got lots of ground to cover. I'm excited. We are absolutely blessed. We'll take the good with the bad. And like you said, it's a great chance for a lot of these backup players to be thrust into a starting role and make an impact in a game that while it's just one game and it's the third one of the season, it's a really big one. You got two undefeated teams at 2-0. Some people are saying it's a potential NFC championship match matchup later in the season so it's a very exciting time here in tampa bay oh absolutely you know i think that th- that this is kind of what we right we're in week three bucks look like they're two and oh rams are two and oh could be the best two teams in the nfl about yeah. to face off uh in week three i'm super excited about the matchup i'm so excited to get into the details of the matchup as we did yesterday on the show get into it more today and i'm even more excited that today's show is brought to you by celsius you know about celsius and the wonderful energy drinks you've heard us talk about them a lot My, matt's got the sparkling watermelon there which is do. a wonderful <laughs> underrated flavor as well um you've heard us talk about celsius and the energy drinks and how wonderful they are before but let me tell you about the fast energy bars from celsius the fast these on these fast protein bars i'm sorry these fast protein bars what it is is it's unbelievable amounts of protein in nutrition without sacrificing taste that is just very rare i feel like where you get this unbelievable amount of protein you get 20 grams of protein in one of these bars and you're only getting like a gram of sugar i think the white chocolate cookies and cream the chocolate caramel peanut crunch these protein bars are exceptional they i cannot believe how good they taste i actually ate i would have one for display on the show but i literally <laughs> ate it on the way, on the way i ran out as well from too. the practice facility yeah that's so we're yeah we're we're low we're getting low on the fast uh, protein bars because they are so good you can order them right now there is a link if you go into the youtube description click the link you'll get a percentage off for these fast protein or protein bars uh enjoy i mean i'm telling you if you are looking to find a way to get more protein and everybody is more protein without the sugar everybody should be most people should be then this is the way to go these these fast protein bars are the way to go so make sure you check those out click that link below get those at a discounted price and you will not be sorry. All right, Matt, I'm very excited about this because we get to bring in Hayden Winks to the show. Underdog Fantasy, we had Josh Norris on a couple weeks ago. Hayden is his uh, fellow superhero, I should say, over at Underdog, Underdog Fantasy. The work that they are doing, you've heard us talk about him up and down for a while now, is awesome. So we're very excited to bring Hayden on to the show so he can talk a little bit about all the stuff they're doing over at Underdog. Hayden, how has this season gone as things have just kind of launched and taken off at Underdog? How has this thing gone for you so far as Underdog kind of gets underway and becomes really major players in this industry? It's been wild. It was called, we were calling it hot best ball summer, and it was just like day after day, 
uh, evaluating the, this new game best ball where you just have to do your drafts. There's no lineup setting, no trades, none of that stuff. So you're able to do, I mean, people were doing like hundreds and hundreds of drafts yeah. on underdog fantasy, but there's like all this game strategy, kind of like the DFS days from like five years ago. But since it's such a new um, type of a, a game, it's just like, there's so much new data and people are like really trying to figure it out. So that's been really exciting. And then right after working hard for like six months when everyone else has the off season to go to the beach, then all of a sudden it's week one. Now we have DFS games on underdog. We have pick them, player props, all this stuff. So yeah. it's never ending, but the, the environment's really good. So I'm glad to be there. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, some of the stuff you guys are doing is so cool. We talk about the prop bets and all that kind of stuff. All I, the time. Love, it, it, I love yeah. the prop bets. I love when head to head, Mike Evans going to get more yards than this guy. I, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, and for people who don't know, on the, these pick'em games on Underdog Fantasy are amazing. On Underdog, you can select over under on player stat lines. If you get a pick two correct, you can triple your money. If you get a pick five correct, you can win 20 times the amount of money you enter with. It's real simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, download their app, sign up with the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. You can build a pick'em in seconds. They are going to give you a free $10 when you sign up and make your first deposit. So download the Underdog Fantasy app, sign up with that promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, and get your free $10 today. Hayden, the Bucks are probably one of the teams that you spent the most time analyzing, I'm guessing, this year because they're like, these controversies at running back and not really controversies at wide receiver, but certainly like who's going to play is Scotty Miller going to be relevant after he was very relevant at the beginning of last season. Now it's a different dynamic, but more than anything, who's relevant out of the top three wide receivers week to week. Um, and then obviously the tight end position is Gronkowski as good as he's looked the last two weeks. And my wife drafted him in like the fourth round of our draft. So Aiden, wow. I am, I am smarting a little bit over here because she is, I was laughing at her for doing it. And now she's whooped me last week and is two and zero in our league. And so she probably went again, like she did last year, but what's your thoughts here? Let's start with the running back situation, Tampa Bay. And then I'll let Matt ask, jump in and we'll alternate questions for you. But what what is the running back situation in Tampa Bay right now? Everyone knows, Ronald Jones has, has had some ups and downs here, struggled a little bit. He's not happy with me right now. <laughs> and so, and Leonard Fournette, and also, you know, kind of the same deal has had his ups and downs. Giovanni Bernard obviously offers clear ability as a third down back at the very least, but, you know, there could there be more than that for him? How do you treat this backfield? It's chaotic. And on Underdog Fantasy, Ronald Jones was going ahead of Leonard Fournette the entire summer. And I think that Ronald Jones might be the better between the tackles runner. But Leonard Fournette, to me right now, seems like just like the more complete back. He's more reliable. And if you just look at the contracts in general, the, the Bucks gave Leonard Fournette like over $3 million. They give Giovanni Bernard less than $1 million. And Ronald Jones still playing on his rookie contract. So to me, I'm not that surprised that Leonard Fournette is the guy right now. And I'm projecting that his role to get bigger and bigger. I think that the, the, um, the play that you showed where Ronald Jones, that was his only play in pass protection i mean he completely whiffed and this is like the third down stuff has been ronald jones just the thing that he could not get over the hump with so i'm actually expecting leonard fournette he's probably like an rb3 in fantasy this week but in two weeks from now three weeks from now i would not be surprised if leonard fournette is an every week rb2 i have a stat called fantasy usage which kind of like takes like targets red zone looks all that stuff into one stat and he has the 14th most usage through two weeks and that's with splitting time so Whenever you have like one of the best offenses in the league, you want their running back. I think eventually it'll be Leonard Fournette. I agree with what you're saying that Ronald Jones is the better running back just going in between the tackles. We have to go by what's went down in the games, though. And there's without question that Leonard Fournette has been the most productive out of the two without, without question. 
What I'm thinking about more is the fact, not necessarily whether it's going to be Leonard Fournette or, or Ronald Jones as the main guy with the most production in the Bucks' backfield. I look at it more as, is it worth taking a flyer on one of these guys? Because we've seen through two games, no matter who's the running back, the Bucs are going to air the ball out. You know, Tom Brady leads the NFL with nine touchdowns right now. And it doesn't matter if they're two yards away from the end zone. He's still airing it out, whether he's hitting Chris Godwin in the corner of the end zone or it's Gronk who gets two tutties a game going back to the Super Bowl. I almost feel like that would be more of my concern as far as sorry, as far as drafting. <laughs> I'm a, I'm Italian. I talk with my hand all the time. That's right. I do too. As, as, as far as whether whoever you have at running back, the fact that the Bucs are just going to air the ball out puts me on the side of caution of maybe I'll look at another team with a, with a dual running back situation because of how the Bucks play on offense. The good news though, is nobody wants the Buccaneers running backs in fantasy. Like people are so over the headache. It seems like uh, Tom Brady's just brought down the Belichick nonsense with the running backs. So you can get these guys for really cheap. Like Leonard Fournette was like the RB, like in the forties in, in fantasy. And I'm with you. Yes. The, the, the Bucks will be top five in neutral pace in top five in neutral pass rate, the Tom Brady's going to light up. I, I think he can win MVP this year. Um, but if, if the bucks are going to be scoring 30 points a game, like all, all Fournette has to do is just fall into the end zone a, a, a couple times here and there. And then he's going to be paying off as an RB three, uh, possibly a little bit higher than that. Uh, I'm the thing I'm always nervous about is who's going to be the goal line back. Like, I think that could be kind of volatile, but I, I think that if like, if, if Rojo fumbles or does something else on third downs, I think it, they can just say, all right, it's just going to be these two guys. And I think that's why I'm kind of going all in on Fortnite right now. Yeah, it's a good observation. And you, you know, you were always, Hey, you and I have talked so many times before we're always talking about like, okay, where's things going to regress back to the mean and yep. where are things going to come? Like Brady's not going to throw 76 touchdowns this season. I hate to break it to people, hey, but the Bucks probably know. do enter the red zone at the rate that they're entering it now. And maybe even more, they've had some uncharacteristic mistakes and things that have drops that have ended three of the, they've had three third down drops when they were driving at different times. Like, you know, you'd like to look at some of that stuff and be like, I think they can actually get in the red zone area more maybe, but probably Brady's touchdown passes. Like he's not going to be nine touchdown passes to zero runs. That that right. ratio is not going to maintain the rest of the year. So then you try to figure out, okay, whoever is playing a running back, they are going to games are coming, probably even on Sunday, where that guy scores. Like Brady's not going to count for every touchdown all year. One of these backs is going to get a handful of touchdowns by the time that the year ends. Like that's just how yep. it goes. Like some of them will end up being on the ground. But who that back is, is is the tricky part, but you're right. Best thing to do with Bruce Arians is just avoid backfields altogether <laughs> unless you have no other choice. We were hopeful. How did you see it before the year? I'm curious about that, and then we'll move on to other positions. But how did you see it before the year with this backfield? Did you have like a strong take one way? or I know Josh said he didn't want any of them, and I figured you were probably in the same boat. <laughs> Well, I get when people say that, but like at a certain point, like the one of the best offenses in the league, like you want their running back. Like if he's he was being drafted like 15 spots below Miles Gaskin, I think Miles Gaskin's a fine player in his own right, but he's in a committee. And the Dolphins hate to break it to you guys, probably can score as what half as many points as the Bucks. Right. And so, like, I was willing to roll the dice on Fournette. The one person I like there was actually getting some hype was Giovanni Bernard. And especially like a full PPR because he had the third down role even in the preseason. Obviously, Tom Brady likes these type of backs. The right. problem though is it, going back to those James White years. James White was catching like seventy five passes because their number two receivers like Chris Hogan and Josh Gordon was suspended and Julian Edelman was hurt and old. Like right now, if Tom Brady's throwing the ball to Giovanni Bernard, that's a, that's a loss. Like he needs to be throwing to, to Mike Evans 
and Chris Godwin and Gronk and those guys. So I don't think that Giovanni Bernard is going to make much of an impact, even in full PPR, just because like the weapons are just so stacked at receiver and tight end. There's like really no point to be throwing the ball to Giovanni Bernard right now. And he's not really getting a lot of opportunities either. I mean, (laughs) Bruce Arian said he's the the third down back and the two minute drill, uh, two minute drill running back. And he certainly had an impact on that final drive in in the game winning drive by Brady and the Bucks offense on opening night against the Cowboys. But I mean, I would say his biggest contribution last week's game was there was a kickoff that went a little short. So Giovanni Bernard caught it and, you know, got a little bit past the 20 yard line. You just mentioned the receiver. So I think we should get into that. They obviously have a big three. Granted, it looks like, depending on what happens with his COVID test, that Antonio Brown might not play this week. So I'm curious. I would just like to get your overall assessment of what you thought about the receivers group from a from a fantasy perspective and, and a weekly fantasy perspective. Was there one of those three receivers you were targeting more than the other? Because personally, I think when you look at it now, it's a small sample size. Chris Godwin through two games has been the most consistent in terms of receptions and yards and, and touchdowns as well, too. Um, so I'd like to get your thoughts on that. And then if Antonio Brown doesn't play this week, is it worth taking a flyer on a guy like Scotty Miller? He certainly do. He hasn't made a catch yet, but we know he's got the propensity to make the big play down the field. And if he has an expanded role this week, could be a guy you can get for cheap and pays off huge for you. Definitely. So going into the year, I was looking at the splits after the bye week from last year. Cause I think that's when like the offense, like finally clicked. I'm not sure yeah, if there, there's probably the meetings between Brady and Arians to figure out, right, we're going to get rid of this stuff, add more of this stuff. And their neutral pace went up. They were using a little more play action and they were like just destroying teams. So I was using, a, using those splits and Antonio Brown was pretty close to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And all three of these guys were like battling injuries at different points and all these splits. It's really hard to, to focus on, mm-hmm. but Antonio Brown was like starting best ball season, like in the RB or wide receiver forties ended in like the wide receiver thirties. And I thought that was appropriate because Antonio Brown to me started to really come into form. And then the preseason, the off season, the fact that he was out of the news to me was positive yep. and he looked awesome um, in week one. So I think that Antonio Brown will be fine when he returns now there's the one big debate. I think that Chris Godwin is somebody that we should be projecting for more receptions, more receiving yards. And then people always freak out about Mike Evans because he's just so reliant on touchdowns. Well, guess what? My touchdown regression model does not know that Mike Evans is six foot five, one of the most physical players. <laughs> he's running fade routes, and those are typically not successful. But when you're that big and you have that ball tracking skills, and Tom Brady only throws it when it's appropriate, like I'm projecting Mike Evans to just smash my regression model. So I think mm-hmm. that. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans will do it in different ways, both wide receiver twos. And I think when Antonio Brown returns, he's going to be more volatile because he's only playing in three wide receiver sets. He doesn't get that many red zone looks compared to the other guys, but he earns targets like like it was like a couple of years ago. I think that he's going to end up being a top 36 guy too. Yeah, the red zone look is a, is an interesting one because I think that's, that's one that you're right. He doesn't quite see as much because they like to go 12 and even throw yeah. it down there, but you're going to have a guy off the field and it, you know, it's usually going to be him. So I can see the touchdowns being low, but yeah, he does have a lot of potential to make plays all over the rest of the field. It's anybody's guess. So let me ask you this, Aiden, because we ask this of everybody who comes on the show, because we don't know if we'll ever have a wide receiver room like this again, and we'll have the opportunity to put people on the spot and ask them what I think is one of the toughest questions to answer uh, in the NFL right now. Which wide receiver do you believe? Not necessarily fantasy, although I know you're probably going to be influenced to answer some that way, but like from all the football you watch, I know you're a tape grinder too. Which Bucks wide receiver do you think is the best 
wide receiver right now if you had to pick one? I would go Mike Evans. I think that his just his talent like in the red area is just so rare. And if they wanted to get him like 12 targets a game, I think that he could do that. Like he doesn't have to do that because Chris Godwin's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Mike Evans is just skill sets pretty hard to find. Mm-hmm. And he's not just like a, a, a jump ball specialist. Like he's more than that. And I think that when he's really clicking, he's just really dominant. And a lot of the stuff we see with Mike Evans, this dude's playing through injuries like all the time. Mm-hmm. So like when he, we never even know when he's like fully healthy. And I think that when he is, he's just like, he's too big. He's too fast. His ball tracking mm-hmm. skills are too good. Um, that's just pretty hard to replicate. And that's like no shade to Chris mm-hmm. Godwin right. at right. all. I just think that Mike Evans is like, it's harder to find six foot five, six foot five guys that move like that. All right. That brings the tally up. Mike Evans is taken. <laughs> no, it's tied. It's tied between Antonio Brown and Mike Evans. I still am the only vote for Chris Godwin somehow, although I get it from both perspectives. Like we always say on the show, there is no wrong answer to that question, yeah. but it's just funny to kind of go through the year and, tally mark how people kind of feel about the different receivers so did, wait did i miss it or did you answer about this week do you think anybody's worth taking like a late fl- in the deeper league scotty i mean tyler johnson out snapped scotty in the last game what do you think i don't have a good feel for it i i would guess that it would be scotty miller but i think that they need to get tyler johnson some looks too he's always flashed to me when he's gotten the opportunity i'm guessing it's going to be a rotation you guys probably have a better read on that to me, I just think that they're just going to use maybe a little more 12 personnel. And I think that Gronk, instead of just being like last year, they were kind of easing Gronk in. I think that Gronk's going to be a focal point. And to me, Gronk's tape right now is like absurd. Like I think that he's back to being a top five real life tight end and he's just dominating in fantasy again. So I think it's just going to be more looks for Mike Evans, more looks for Chris Godwin. I think that Gronk is going to be a, a, a tertiary winner with Antonio Brown out too. I was gonna say this to you. Where like is Gronk's like a legit tight end one play right now, right? Like yes. you can't you I mean, no question. Yes. And maybe going to the year, I guess, depending on the league size, it probably was. But it, I mean, it is funny, like you know this, and this is why I like what you and Josh do so much, because I know you guys go and you actually watch the games too. You don't just look at the numbers, which I you know I'm a huge fan of the numbers, but you also go and watch them. And you could see when you watch Gronk last year, I think maybe you and I even talked about this. I can't remember, but Gronk was open a lot, especially even in the early middle part of the year. And Brady actually, I've said this, and you've probably seen Saden, but like, I just think it's so funny that all these receivers, everybody on the Bucs team had the best catch percentage of their careers with Brady, a quarterback this year. And Gronkowski had the worst of his career. So it's so funny that in this new offense, obviously both guys were learning. Those were the only two that really couldn't get on track. Everybody else had the highest, most efficient years of their careers in terms of targets converted to catches. But Gronk, was way, it was way down for him compared to normal. And you knew that was going to come back up because he was still open a lot. Brady missed him six, seven times for big plays, four of those at least probably touchdowns last year. And I know that happens, but it felt like it happened a lot more with him. And I did kind of expect if he got the targets, that was going to be the key. There's so many guys. If he got the targets and the playing time and O.J. Howard having a terrible preseason probably helped with that, that I just felt like there was going to be that kind of uptick for him in terms of production. I'm sure he would say that he probably feels better this year than he did last yeah. year, just getting his feet wet mm. again. And I think that there might be something to, I'd have to look look at the numbers, but there might be something to the Bucks feeling more comfortable with their offensive line where they don't need Gronk to stay and kind of chip block and just run to the flats where he's actually getting down into the seam more. And I just think that he looks fully back. And like, if he's going to be doing that stuff in the red zone, like I don't know how you're going to stop the Bucks offense. Just going back to like our original point coming into fan, like fantasy season and best ball, Nobody wanted to draft Tom Brady because there's this like thing where rushing quarterbacks is like the cheat code to fantasy. And that is true. But 
Tom Brady's pretty good. And I think Tom Brady <laughs> might throw like 45 touchdowns plus this year. And I think that people were sleeping on his offense in general because they're older. They don't win in the ways that are like historically beneficial for fantasy purposes. But when you're running with this much pace and pass rate, like all these guys are just going to smash. Like I'm over like any narrative about Tom Brady's in pocket only Gronk's too old. Like I'm out. Like I'm not going to bet against hall of famers with Bruce Arians when they were just like going bombs away. And the Bucks have have (laughs) potentially, well, with Brady, obviously, but as far as receivers go, they potentially have four. Chris Godwin has a long way to go, so I'm not here to argue that Chris Godwin's a Hall of Famer. But between Gronk is guaranteed, you got Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Godwin, you got four potential Hall of Famers right there. I find myself in a very interesting situation in in fantasy football because I have Travis Kelsey, so it's like a no-brainer I'm going to start Travis Kelsey every single week, no matter who the chiefs play. I also have Gronk. I got him in like the last round. So I haven't played him in the first two weeks and I'm happy to see all the success that he's having because it's gone well for the bucks, but I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, I have to play Gronk in my flex now (laughs) because the way that he's playing, I have to, there's like, there's no other choice. He's scoring two touchdowns the game. I have to. And for Brady, I agree with you. Everyone falls in love with rushing. I think it goes all the way back to Michael Vick. They just everyone just loves watching a quarterback scramble and, and run down the field. I am of the belief that Brady is going to get close. I think he's going to get fifty touchdowns this year. I think he's going to get to his close personal record and you know give Peyton Manning and, and a shot for the the overall touchdown record. You know, it's just the way he's come back. He's so much more familiar with the offense. And we've seen it through two games. I don't see too much that's really going to slow him down. What is he eating that makes him throw the ball faster now? Like he, he, everything looks like as good as ever for Tom Brady. Like is, he said, he's like- a he's a big almonds guy. He said almonds. he eats like thirty to fifty almonds. <laughs> that's the key, Aiden. Okay, because right. <laughs> he he looks he's throwing the ball like just as well as he ever has. Like, and there was oh, maybe yeah. a couple years, like maybe four or five years ago, where. That wasn't the case, but like, man, I, something something's in the water in Tampa. Yeah, well, he's yeah. the most high. He's the most hydrated guy, and everyone else is sweating everything out because you're playing in mm. Florida. So he's the most hydrated player on the field. He's so mm. focused, and therefore he's having the success. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. I mean, I, I think some of his decline was really over exaggerated, but I do think the knee also really yes. helped him. I mean, uh, his just his ability to move, and he's had a couple. He's never going to be an off platform thrower per se, but. He's had a couple where like the base wasn't totally perfect this year and it still was like a dime right on the money. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like you feel a lot better throwing from not like a perfect position or throwing from a little bit of a different leg, you know, movement perspective and things like that. So yeah, that, that has been encouraging to see before we let you go ahead. And we always ask them, we always ask our guests, like a, a, we give them a tough question from the audience to be able to answer. Here's a tough one for you. John, it's addressed to me, but we'll send it to you because it's too hard for me. Why do you think the coaching staff shrugs off Godwin's miscues, meaning the couple drops and the fumble that he has this year, but benches Ronald Jones the second? Why do you think this happens, Hayden? Well, because on every other play that Chris Godwin has, it's going for a first down or touchdown. So like that's that's the the, the, the difference between good. Yeah, one of them's good. <laughs> One of them's good. That's why. That and they're giving Leonard Fournette a lot of money. So, like, they're like, yeah. there's a reason to bench Ronald Jones for Leonard Fournette. I got mm. one one quick thing I got before I yeah. get out here. Jalen Ramsey, who's he going to be guarding? Because he can easily throw him on Mike Evans. They're using him in the slot more in that mm. star role. And we've heard the Rams coaching staff say they like Jalen Ramsey near the ball. And that's why they're playing him in the slot. Is he going to get more Godwin or more Mike Evans this week? What do you guys think? 
I think you're going to see him play in the slot a lot. I think the Rams have played what? Like no man coverage all yep. year, basically. Yep. <laughs> so I really do not think it'll be like he and Evans death yeah. match, you know, type of game. I really don't see that happening at all. I don't think they'll get away from necessarily how they've used him now, especially because the Bucks play Godwin in the slot and they'll probably rely on him, Ramsey, to do some work there, even if it's not man or if it's a matchup thing. I don't know what it's going to be, but. I don't know if you'll see the one-on-one all game long battle you get from Lattimore and Evans. I really don't think that'll happen, but I think you'll see him play inside. He'll probably blitz. Um, He'll probably, they'll probably try and do a lot with them and it'll be maybe he and Brady more with the chess match rather than, you know, if they use them in some Rover roles and stuff like that, it might be, that might be more of the chess match than he and Evans. I think. Historically, most teams will put their number one corner on, on Mike Evans and then try to game plan their defensive system after that. Uh, but this is season, that like, working though? I like don't know if that's working. Well, I mean, let's give <laughs> right. Mike Evans I, some credit for being the receiver that he is. But oh, as yeah. you just said, as you just said, John Ramsey has essentially been playing everywhere. So it's like, do you go with what defenses have tried to do? Or do you go with what's been working for you right now? And there's not too much of a of a test right now that we've seen, again, because the season's so early, when the Bucs have went up against a defense like Dallas and Atlanta, they don't really have that number one shutdown corner guys that teams wish that they had to so the Rams could look at film and maybe get a sample size of that. So it's like you said, it's a very interesting chess match going into yeah. this game that the Bucs haven't seen yet. Yeah, I think the big thing is like, yeah, they're not playing that much man coverage. Like, I, I watched Michael Pittman, and Mike, Michael Pittman had a great game against the Rams. And like, I, I bet a lot of people benched Michael Pittman because it was a bad ma- matchup. And it is the Rams' defense is really good, but he was just sitting in zone coverage like the entire game. Like, I think like eight of his ten catches came in zone coverage. So I think this is like an opportunity to not look at the matchup and panic that just because it's Jalen Ramsey. Like, we have to be a little more careful than that. And I think that just the Rams playing with the amount of pace that they're playing with right now, it's just going to be like. 38 35 and we'll see who comes out on top this week yeah no i completely agree with you i think it's great observation that's why he's the best ladies and gentlemen hayden winks underdog fantasy hayden tell people where they can find you and maybe any work you've got going on anything you want to plug go the the floor is yours on youtube uh josh norris and i have weekly previews recap shows we get into like the needy greedies of Mm -hmm. uh, the film and some of the stats on underdog fantasy on youtube and our podcast is the underdog football show yeah, that's great stuff. No, we appreciate it. And we appreciate you taking the time on Thursday, too, to jump yes, in and join did. us, Aiden. Always good having you. Always good chatting some ball Thanks a lot, Aiden. Yeah. Later, guys. Thanks for having me. Yep. Hayden Winks, ladies and gentlemen, there he goes. And, uh, man, awesome to have him on the show. I love getting the perspective, even to see it through the lens, because fantasy football is not just a game anymore. Right? These They go in, they watch tape, they analyze yeah. all the stats. So it's like, even though, yeah, he's talking about who to start and sit, and that's how it kind of ends up the result of the work that he puts in the the process and the numbers and all that stuff is what we should be doing more of in all of the arenas i think when it comes to this field so yeah i've i love I hearing his perspective on that kind of stuff it's really cool all right matt we've got our own topics to get to today as well yes, we um, do. we've got uh, uh this uh rookie joe tryon shoyinka that is going to be him. maybe not fantasy football relevant unless you're doing the idp leagues or something like that but <laughs> man i am so excited matt to watch Joe try and Shoyinka this week. I wish it wasn't happening when Jason Pierre-Paul was out. That is a big loss. I know a lot of people I've already seen say, he's never getting that job back. I'm like, you know, maybe that's the case. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But yeah. I'm just saying, Jason Pierre-Paul, very good player. Not off to the greatest start as a pass rusher this year, for sure, to be fair to it. But 
as an all-around player, still very good, very helpful for this team. There is a lot for Joe Tryon Shrink is still to get better at, but man, I've got some clips too, Matt, but I'm pretty excited to see him play this season. Yeah, you were geeking out this morning. You've been geeking out pretty much all week and looking <laughs> looking at the tape, and rightfully so. I think this is a very exciting opportunity, obviously for Joe Tryon Shoyinka, who I'm just going to keep calling JTS because I'm all about the uh, all about the abbreviations. But you know, it's going to be fun for Bucks fans too. We went into the season thinking that, all right, we'll see him in some situational pass rushing downs and. Maybe he'll get on the field when the Bucs are blowing out other teams. And granted, it's early and those situations can still happen if mm-hmm. JPP hopefully is able to recover. And I also do think Arians is the type of coach, especially with a veteran guy like JPP. I don't think unless, you know, if, if Joe Tryantranka is absolutely dominating to the point where he has a Chandler Jones type five sack game, I think the coaches are going to insert JPP when he comes back. Just out of you know respect and and everything like you imagine that. five sacks in your NFL debut, like <laughs> <laughs> two forced fumbles and everything Just like that. Put the gold jacket on, man. Unreal. Yeah, um, it's no, it's it's wild. super. It's it's awesome. It's it's really it's super exciting. I think we've seen some solid things out of him so far. He got very mm-hmm. close to the quarterback, and the only guy that stopped him was Vita Vea. Uh, you, you put out that clip yeah. and. Here's that clip actually right here. Yeah. Great little stab inside swim on Jake Matthews and Vita Vea knocks him off the sack there a little bit, but I'll play (laughs) that one again here. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of look at the stab. Great hand usage for a rookie. Great power. Jake Matthews, one of the better left tackles in the league, just harassing him, man. I mean, that's a quick win. That's what the Bucs have lacked. They've got guys who can power rush on the inside and push guys back into the quarterback's lap. And on the outside, Shaq Barrett, he can win fast at times. He had a great spin the other day, one inside really quick against the Falcons. Some good outside rushes too. He's been pretty solid actually this year, I think. Jason Pierre-Paul is not one 1v1 very often. He drew the hold on Tyron Smith. Mm-hmm. It's been a concern. Even in terms of when he does win, it is typically a little bit of a slower developing thing when he's on the outside. And guys that can win quick when you're giving up quick passes as a defense, there's a real advantage to that. And when you have explosiveness like Tyron Schoenke does, I think everything really just happens quickly for him Matt so I love that part of the skill set that the I mean look speaking of quick look at this he's starting on the left side here double swipe boom two yeah. twice it's going <laughs> through Instagram just no idea what up. was going on here this is not how normal football nope. players move like <laughs> he is just special in terms of the way that he moves which would be fine and be celebratory by itself for a rookie when you look like that at the NFL level, when you move like that and beat guys to spots at the NFL level, you usually have great things in store for you. But I just think he's ready for playing time right now because of how well he uses his hands. Like that's the thing. If you're playing D line, you could be this great athlete and that's like the best Mm -hmm. starting point ever. But if you can't use your hands, you probably need to work before you're ready to play. But because he's so physical and can already use his hands well, when you combine that with his movement skills, just very, very hard to block Joe Tryanchoenka. And guys that are hard to block are stars. That's just... They are on the defensive line. I I think he's going to be a huge challenge for even really good players in this league. Obviously, the Rams have two very good tackles in Andrew Whitworth, mm-hmm. who is older now, but still very good. Still got it. He, yes, was, and, he wouldn't not be playing anymore if he didn't think he still had it. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with and you, Rob Havenstein, too, is good. Is very good. I mean, right one now. of the things I really look for in terms of rookie pass rushers and guys like that, because everyone, when you get drafted at, at, at a high pick like JTS did, 
you know they're going to have the the strength to try to go and bull rush someone like that. But I think it's so important, especially when you just get into this league, to develop different pass rushing moves and have good hand movement. And we just saw with the with the videos you put up there, he's swimming, he's doing the stab move, he's getting inside, he's doing everything. And I think it's super important right now between the two games that the Bucks have had. You're right, they 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 only have two sacks. And while they're getting home sometimes, they're not bringing the quarterback down. And they need that quick pass rush that JPP, while I still think he's been solid in the run and he's been he's poured in other really, areas, right. he's there's a couple guys that have been a second away. Like Shaq Barrett has one sack. There's a couple times he's been close. Vita Vea have, has been very close. Domkin Sue got the sack last game. But JPP isn't a guy that you felt too much where it's like, oh, he's just a second away. So JTS is almost the, the type of injection that this defense needs when you know they're going to be in a ton of pass rushing situations because no team wants to run the ball against the Bucs. So if teams are going to you know pass it 50 to 55 times a game, this is a perfect opportunity for him to to really you know make his mark on this team. I'm a little worried about what he can do as far as if he has to drop back into coverage or if he wants to defend the run. But oddly enough, He's been put in situations so far through the two games where he's had to drop back in coverage. Mm. And one thing I noticed, too, you look at the first touchdown that the Falcons had in the game. You had Joe Tryon, Shoyanka, and Anthony Nelson out on the edge for for that defensive possession. Mm. I guess they were just giving a break to JPP yeah. and, and to Shaq Barrett. And that touchdown run that Atlanta had, they ran to Joe Tryon's side. Now, granted, Antoine Winfield Jr. you know missed, missed mm. a big tackle, and that's why he scored. But... Other teams are going to run it to his side if they don't think mm -hmm. that he can defend the run like that. Right. And I think it's awareness, like, right? Like that was a play. And I now I wish I had a clip that play, but I don't think he really did a bad job on that play, but they cracked him. They had, you know, the base block on him and then they yeah. cracked him too. And he actually spun out of the crack. But if he had seen it coming earlier, he maybe could have avoided it. But even so, you get cracked. The guy has to replace you. Winfield did replace inside of him, and, and it did fill. It was just a matter of execution. He didn't make the tackle. Um, so they really handled it fine. But you're right. I think Atlanta targeted him there. And not that he did a horrible job. They targeted him because he has inexperience yeah. playing the run. He might not recognize those blocks coming from his peripherals as well as other guys did. But here's what I like. That was the play early in the game, right? Here's a play later in the game. See if you recognize this concept. They try to crack him again out there, and he fights Push through it. the yep. blocks. So here's another swim a on a tight end, beats the tight end. Hayden Hurst avoids the block for, or throws off the. He block beat the tight 76. end, and then they double teamed him again yeah. with the other two guys with beat the tight there end, and, threw yeah. off seventy six, and then made the running back turn back yeah. inside. So while J while J J Joe Tryon Shoinka has some work to do in the run game, it's much more like awareness and like making sure he's gap sound and not. Being over yeah, aggressive. I'm, I'm not saying he's a liability right, or anything like right. that. Bruce Arians it's, has, yeah, he's not a liability. Bruce Arians has spoken about that. One thing that he wanted to see from him more is positionally to be in the right spots, as you just mentioned. Right. That's that's the key for him. I think it's just like that baseline type, of, you know, that easy kind of stuff. Like mm. where you're supposed to be on a given snap, and if you're playing, if you're preparing to hold play the whole game, maybe you're in all those details a little bit more. But physically, his ability to hold up in the run game and have success in the run game is not in question at all, in my opinion. In fact, if you try to run away from him and you're his own running team, I think he's going to run things down pretty quick. And he was, you know, he had eight pass rushes the other day. He was in Matt Ryan's face on three of them. 
that's an incredible conversion rate. But then also I loved how disciplined he was against the run on the backside. He didn't just chase the quarterback or anything. He read out the, the fake, if it was a fake or if it was a give. He read it out. He stepped down like he should and replaced the end of the guy in the line of scrimmage. You got to step all the way down. Don't let them cut it back. And he just did a very, very good job. He was in on a couple tackles in the backfield. as kind of the second, third guy to get there. Um, so, yeah, he – I think he's just ready. I think he's ready, and I think he's going to be a star in the NFL. I mean, yeah, people know I felt three pre-draft, and I haven't even seen him play really hardly hardly play a regular season game. He's played, what, 40 snaps now at this point. Saw him play in the preseason, saw him play in camp. I just feel like I know a, a mover, stud mover, star mover when I see one. And combine it with his physicality, his intelligence, his development as a pass rusher, I really just think it's huge potential for him, man. I mean, through the roof. Um, type of ability i think the bucks got <laughs> absolute stud so we'll see what yeah. happens maybe i'll be totally wrong maybe it just won't happen on in week three i don't know it, these things take time you, sometimes you come out you're too juiced up and so there's layers to it for sure right we're not going to base any evaluation off one game unless he has five sacks and then we'll uh, yeah the if he has a chandler jones type of game that's right <laughs> put him in the hall of fame uh, mitch wants to know uh john still high on rojo over for net this is a loaded question right now, Mitch. Uh, am I still high on Rojo? Yeah, tell Rojo I actually liked – I was actually saying he should be the starting running back before the season started. I was very clear, though, Mitch, to be totally fair to what I said before in ways that will defend myself and also make myself look worse in front of Rojo is that I didn't I didn't think either of them were great, and I thought Giovanni Bernard should play a ton, and that was kind of what I said the whole way. But if you were going to go with one, yeah, go with Rojo because he's the more talented guy. Um, I'm not sure what his headspace is. That's my biggest concern there. I think he's still better than Fournette. I just, the mistakes and the heads, you know, if you're not, if you can't think clearly when you're out on the field and there's other stuff that are, is impacting your performance, then you're not going to be an asset to the team. So that, you know, that kind of goes without saying for any player, really, if you can't be an asset to the team and if you can't tap into all the potential talent that you have, then yeah, I mean, I think that you, you know, you, you shouldn't play. Um, that's just, that just goes without saying for anybody. So any player could face those struggles throughout a given season. And that would, you know, I would advise any team that comes up against that to probably change course. But I mean, you're still going to have your hurdles with Fournette. That's what makes it tough. You know, still plenty of mistakes there to choose from too. The bottom line, play Giovanni Bernard more and avoid running backs as much as you can if you're the Bucs. <laughs> That's my take anyway, Matt. Play Giovanni, Giovanni Bernard at least a little bit. You know, yeah. we haven't seen him at all. And the Bucs have been in situations where Giovanni Bernard should be on the field in third and long and things like that. And we still haven't seen it. So, uh, and I'm, I'm not ready to, you know, the jury's not out on Rojo yet either. It's been two not so great games, but there's a long way to go. And he's going to have his moments. It's just like last season where Leonard Fournette, the first half, there wasn't much. And then he obviously went on to do what he did. It's, you know, there's different chapters to this whole story. That's going to be the 2021 season. The opening yeah. scene, not ideal for Rojo. But that's why there's a beginning, middle, and end. Long mm -hmm. way to go. Right. Long way to go. You're right. And I believe that as long as he keeps his head on straight, that's going to be the key. As long as mm -hmm. there isn't any issues internally, they will continue to use him, and he will be better than he has been in week one and week two. Uh, he is still a very talented player. It's just the consistency. Is it ever going to be there? I don't know. Um, it, Harvinder says, is this Rams game going to be Geo's coming out party? Uh, good question. I don't know that I would bet on the Geo coming out party at any point, but I bet it still happens. Does that make sense? Like there wouldn't be a specific week where I'd go, this is the week for Geo. Yeah. <laughs> but I just think eventually they'll get so frustrated with the other two that they play him more. Um, and then there's going to be opportunities for him to make plays. Um, I'm definitely a little bit discouraged that it hasn't happened yet, which makes me kind of unwilling to 
to really bet on it, but it could be the Rams game. I mean, this should be a game where both teams are trying to throw the football a lot. Um, that should go probably without saying, given how every matchup between Rosarians and Sean McVay is gone, it's pretty much always turned out that way. Um, so yeah, I think that they need to go in with that mindset. And if they do, it doesn't mean Gio is going to be on the field. I just chances go up probably, but I don't know. Will Gio get a carry this year, Matt? Like, yeah, they really feel that bad about him. As they'll go in shotgun and they'll run a draw with him. We saw it in training That's camp. Oh, yeah, you're times. right. That'll it. be it. Will he get a non-draw carry this season? Mm, with Brady under center. Or, or no. what should we put the over-under at? A half? A one and a half? <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be low, I think. If everybody stays healthy. Let's do two, let's do two. Yeah, yeah. If everyone's healthy, let's put it at two and a half. Yeah. Uh, Schweb says, at what point are we going to give a real opportunity to shine to Keyshawn Vaughn? Run game can't get any worse. I mean, like what you have to see the guy do something good first, right? Like he hasn't done anything good in his career. I just, yeah, I don't know. I like We're I also know. Like, halfway to a quarter of the season. Yeah. Halfway and also, to a quarter. Right. We got a long way to go. And I don't think that adding a player who's been markedly worse than the two guys that you're concerned with helps. Like I just don't, I, I don't see that. You know, three wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> if you get what I'm saying there. Hey, Just keep I throwing darts at the board. And, that's right. You know, uh, <laughs> see do? which one sticks. Speaking of darts at the board, what about bowling balls at the bowling pins, Matt? Can we throw those anytime soon? Uh, I'm sure maybe like Gronk could throw a bowling ball or Joe Tryon Chayanka probably could. Uh, I guess if you were going to throw a bowling ball, you would have to shot put it like they do in the Olympics. You can't just, you know, do that regularly. But we go from darts now to bowling. Uh, the Pewter Report podcast, of course, is sponsored by Pin Chasers. We're very happy to have them on board. Uh, it's a bowling alley that has been family-owned for 60 years. And this family-owned business, they are huge Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans. Anthony Perrone, he's got season tickets. He's been at both games. So you know when you're going to Pin Chasers, you're supporting someone who is a huge Bucks fan. It's a family-friendly place. It's a great spot to bring the whole family or your friends for a whole group outing. Uh, they have events going on all the time, pretty much every single day. That includes Tuesday night pizza bowl, where it's all-you-can-eat pizza for eleven ninety-nine after 9 o'clock p.m. They also have Thursday night unlimited bowling. That's also after 9 o'clock and also eleven ninety-nine. That includes $1 Miller Lights. The 10-pin grill has fantastic food, mm -hmm. pizza, burgers, sandwiches, fries, quesadillas, salads, if you want to go for the healthy option, which I certainly need. And they got breakfast food the entire day. doesn't matter That's if you're amazing. out there at night. If you're out amazing. there in the afternoon, they got the breakfast food. Uh, Pin Chasers, they got three locations in East Pasco, Hillsborough Avenue, and on North Armenia Avenue, which is right down the road from the Advent Health Training Center, where the Bucks have their offices at and their practice field and their indoor facility. So to reserve a lane, book a party, or anything in between, head on over to pinchasers.net. And also, Bucks fans, I need you guys to get rolling with this. We got the Pewter Report Bowling League. It's coming back on Monday, October Ooh. 11th. That's Columbus Day. October 11th, start signing up. We've been tweeting it out. We got a sign-up sheet. Or you could just email me at matt at pewterreport.com. Let me know you're interested. You could sign up with the whole team. We're doing teams of either three or four, depending on availability. You could sign up individually as well. 
There's no experience needed. We encourage all bowlers of all skill levels to join. I'm not a great bowler. Um, before the season starts, you'll get to bowl, and um, you'll get a handicap based off of that. So that way it keeps everything fair and level, and it makes it competitive. Because you know if you're going up against someone who's a great bowler and you're not that good, where's the fun in that? It evens the playing field almost like a, a golf handicap in that type of situation. It's $15 per week. Teams are three or four. First 10 people that sign up will get a free Peter Report t-shirt, which is very exciting. You can get that. that. We'll also have uh, – we'll raffle off a prize on that wow. first day on October 11th. And um, also free pizza and soft-serve drinks for that opening night on October 11th. So please start signing up the Peter Report yeah. Bowling League at Pin Chasers on our North Armenia. That's uh, Monday, October 11th at 6.30. All right? Tweet yeah. at me. Email me. Do whatever. Matt, start signing up for the Peter. M-A-T-T at PeterReport.com. Yeah. Yeah. Start hitting me up. Peter Report Bowling League. Let's get it, people. It's going to be Let's fun. It. It's always yeah, fun. That's awesome. Josh asks, uh, tongue-in-cheek, John, if none of the running backs are a right, then they are left, and three lefts make a right. Boom. Science. Josh with the clutch. All right, Jesse. All right, Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> <laughs> the clutch comment there. And thank you for the $5 Super Jet, Josh. Yes, thank you, appreciate Joshua. appreciate that very much. Um. Okay, so now now we got to move to the wide receiver spot as we wrap this thing up. Antonio Brown, we don't know. He could get two negatives, and he could be asymptomatic, and he could be back from the COVID list by Sunday's game. I don't think it's likely based on how we've seen these things go with other teams. Um, we'll see. The Bucs are very well positioned to be able to handle the loss of Jason Pierre-Paul and Antonio Brown without a huge drop-off in my opinion. Um, I do think Antonio Brown is a loss but I think he's offset by the fact that they've played without him as long as they have. They're definitely not reliant on him. And that really helps. I think uh, you don't have no offensive structure or design that has to have Antonio Brown to operate things operate a little bit better with him for sure. But like Godwin, his role would be harder to replace, right? Even to a degree, Evans, like his role would be harder to yeah. replace. Brown is a little bit less from a design standpoint that crucial. So even though he's a very good player, now, who do the targets go to? Who plays more on Sunday? Is it this even split between Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller? Does Chris Godwin play more outside? Do they just throw Tyler Johnson to Jalen Ramsey if the Jalen Ramsey is going to play inside? Obviously, it won't just be man. It'll be a lot of zone. So maybe it doesn't even matter as much um, how they look at all those matchups. But what do you think happens? Do we see more Tyler Johnson or Scotty Miller? That's the age-old question. It's tough, man, because Scotty Miller doesn't have a reception yet on the season. All he has is that uh, that kick TJ return. has one. Tyler Johnson has one. Yeah, Five and Tyler days. Johnson has one. Camp Ray has one. I, I think we forget, too, because Antonio Brown returned this season, and as far as throwing to receivers, it's been those three with Tyler Johnson sprinkled in there. I'm going to lean towards Scotty Miller this game. Um, mm. I think just because we haven't seen too much of Scotty yet at all. And I think eventually they're going to get him involved and they're going to try to strike with those deep plays. And we haven't seen a ton of, we we've seen some deep plays like the touchdown to Antonio Brown. They obviously tried to go deep to Mike Evans last game, tried to go deep to mm. Antonio Brown Almost a, a, a little bit. Yeah. Both times. Shout out to that quarter. He leaped up and knocked it away. I was talking about yeah, that on the radio the gosh. other day. But because of the style of game that I think we're all predicting it's going to be, we know the Rams now with Stafford like to take those deep shots. I'm not saying they're just going to go deep because the Rams are, but we haven't seen Scotty Miller yet, but we know what he provides with this offense. 
this is the week where they're going to go deep. And so while the Rams have the game plan for that, it opens everything else up for Mike and Chris Godwin. And, and I just think mm-hmm. overall it's, it's time for it's without getting like all the, the stats and the tape mm-hmm. and everything. Scotty Miller's due, And I think mm-hmm. that's why we're going to see him with a big game. Be interesting. Rams are one of the hardest teams to complete deep balls against as the Bucks found out last year, they're still yeah. playing pretty much the same type of way defensively down the field. They're just a very hard team to complete those kind of routes against, especially Scotty's kind of routes. I, I think Tyler Johnson will play more snaps. I think Tyler Johnson will get more targets. I don't know if he'll have more yards or more scores or more impact because Scotty only needs one catch. I don't think Tyler Johnson's a, a one catch kind of guy. He's a volume yeah. kind of guy, you know? Um, and so, yeah, that will maybe make the bigger difference there. Um, but I think I, if I'm going to go the opposite of you, even for just argument's sake on Sunday on the post game pod, we can go at <laughs> each other or whatever. But yeah, yeah, I think Tyler Johnson has the bigger role, plays more snaps has a better chance at, at, at seeing some production, I think, on a Sunday. But, yeah, I think, I think Hayden's right. Gronk is going to eat, too. I think it's – yeah, overall, it's going to be a joint effort. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll see – honestly, <laughs> if you want to pick between the tight ends, like excluding Gronk, O.J. Howard, and Cam Brate, like Cam Brate has been getting more snaps. I'm almost – I'm not saying they're obviously going to make Cam Brate a focal point, but I feel like if the Bucks decide to use more tight ends in this game – I almost feel like I would bet on Cam Brate to have more of an impact in this game than, say, O.J. Howard would. I, I don't even know yeah. what O.J. Howard's role in this offense is right now. There really isn't a whole lot of one. I mean, he did make that. They caught the one the other day, and I think there'll be times where they go 13 personnel and throw. Like, they ran four verts when he caught one the other day out of 13 personnel, and it was like, okay, all right. And he can still attack you down the field with four, you yeah. know, three tight ends. So, yeah, I, I, he'll still have a role, but it's a small one right now, and Cam Brate's outsnapped him in both games, and – he could be the guy more than a Tyler Johnson or a you know or a Scotty, you know, because the, I think the Rams are a worse team when you make them put more linebackers on the field. So maybe that's the, the Bucks, one way the Bucks offense, if they're going to exploit anywhere, it's really got to be those linebackers. I mean, we saw them do that against yeah. a rookie linebacker with Micah Parsons, and I don't think it's a terrible idea to go back to that formula and play yeah. action. Right. We'll see. We'll see how much it's a week to week case, according to Byron Leftwich. We'll see how much that. uh you know, that plays a role. Use it, man. Better. You want to control Aaron Donald. You better use some play action, buddy. Yeah. That's all I know. Better <laughs> freaking use it. Well, that's good stuff. Uh, good stuff. Good thoughts. Good observations. If you want more of all of that, you can go over to Spotify green room and check out the work that Peter report does over there. JC Allen does a great job breaking things down over on Spotify green room. Uh, you can join in the conversation on Spotify green room. That's what makes it so great. Jump into one of these rooms. You can take the mic and talk about your favorite team player, moment all those kind of things you can talk music sports culture all of it over on spotify green room just download that app sign up for free log in with your spotify info you can download on the apple on the app store or get it on google play um it's great stuff follow peter report when you get on there you'll get the notifications when peter report goes live uh, and you can join in those conversations and let us hear your opinions on things as well so matt we are wrapping up for this week but for next week starting on sunday is when you'll see us again and you'll see us next time on the pewter game day pregame show it starts at 3 30 p.m eastern so right now if you are not subscribed to pewter report tv hit that subscribe button hit the bell for the notification we go live the one o'clock game should be wrapping up 
Jump in with us to preview this game. It's going to be a lot of fun going right up until kickoff. Then at kickoff, we stay with you throughout the game. Paul Atwell and I will be breaking things down throughout the game. We'll get some of the other Peter reporters in and through there as well during the game. Scott comes on halftime, gives his two cents on how things are going. But he gives the stat breakdown. We have lots of fun coverage. We watch the game live, and we are literally reacting live with our analysis and our insights and X's and O's and scheme and stats from the game and all this kind of stuff coming at you during the game. We have had a lot of fun with it. I think the feedback from fans has been awesome so far. Now, always feel free to give me feedback if you haven't. Um, some of it, that what I've heard from you all, has been very, very helpful. But definitely jump into this Pewter Game Day live stream with us. It's 425 is when kickoff starts. We'll start the Game Day li- in, live in-game stream at that time as well, breaking everything down, reacting to it. We had some big reaction moments last week that were just a lot of fun. And going back through watching a little bit and clipping some things, is like, yeah, we had some good takes at certain points and some some rough moments at certain points. But, yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun through two weeks. And I think th- Sunday's game is going to be – just an incredible one between two of the best teams. Maybe the two best teams, honestly, in the league. We're early, but I don't think it's crazy to say that at all. I saw the athletics power rankings. They were one and two at the top. So this it's is a, that, it's a marquee match. matchup. It's mm-hmm. it's really a marquee matchup. And I think overall through two weeks of the season, I mean, Kansas City Baltimore was an insane game mm-hmm. and two really good teams, even though Baltimore had had lost in the first week. But as far as like two top level elite teams, I don't really think it gets much better than this right. that we've seen so far in the league. Right. I mean, I said this before the season. It would shock me if one of the Super Bowl teams in the AFC weren't from the three teams of Cleveland, Buffalo, and Kansas City. And it would shock not me. The you're, uh, you're not buying the hype of Vegas after I'm after not two buying weeks? the Vegas hype. No, I have learned my lesson. They were 2-0 last year, too. <laughs> Probably going to be 3-0, and and I still am not going to buy. Um, no, I think they're good, but I, I'm not going to buy them as a Super Bowl team. Um uh, and uh, in the in the NFC, I think it would be surprising if it wasn't one of the three of the Packers, the Rams, and the Bucks. I think those are the three best teams on both sides of things. Respect to the Seahawks, respect to the Ravens, some of the other teams that are out there. I don't feel any differently through the first you know couple weeks of the season. I will say this: Packers and Chiefs have big defensive question marks, and I don't know that the they've Packers got. Don't like, I mean? Obviously, we saw what happened to them Week One. I yeah, I wasn't really that impressed with them against the Lions either. No. I mean. That whole game turned around. That whole game turned around because Goff, whatever the center quarterback exchange was, they had that fumble that was deep into, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, deep in their territory, and that changed the whole game. Right? I completely agree with you. I have not been impressed with the Packers at all through two weeks, but I'm also they've started slow in the past. I know Rodgers. They're, of course, I, they're still relax, right relax. Right. We, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right. so uh, yeah, and Bucks time says we will give me feedback after the Bucks victory. I did pick the Rams to win, by the way, yesterday on the pod. Matt, so Bucks fans are a little cross with me. Well, actually, more than anything, they're happy because the last time I picked the Bucks to lose, they won the NFC Championship game. So I haven't picked the Bucks to lose, and they've won since the bye week, or the, the opposite has happened since the bye week. So um, people are, yeah, that's why I did this for you, people. I did it for you. So, all right, we'll be back tomorrow, Sunday, uh, 325. Uh, or throw sorry 330 for the pregame show 425 for the in-game live stream and then after the game of course the post-game podcast will be going live with all our thoughts we'll jump in there hopefully it's a, oh we got the injury report you want me you want to hear did we it's just get the box box did we get the rams already no because i i forgot about this until yesterday too oh. when they play a west coast team because the time difference they send theirs out later because like their practice practice ends later and yada 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 Right. No change. Uh, no Jaden Mickens, no Jason Pierre-Paul. 
Steve McClendon didn't participate, but that was just a veteran day. So, yeah. All right. So thanks so much for tuning in for Matt Matera. I'm John Ledger. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Bowling League, sign up. Gobble ghoul. Out.